we're going to go ahead and get it started and uh, going to try to get done uh, quicker than usual uh, as we begin the month of March. March is, March is always a very special month for our church. And uh, we have a spring revival service in March uh, every year. We took a couple years off, but um, uh, it's not just because we have a meeting or invite someone, but we really do expect when we bring in an evangelist um, that if we will pray and seek the Lord's face, that he will work. And so we have been very blessed over the years to see many people saved and lives changed. And so we're expecting that again this year. And so I really want to take some time tonight before we close to pray for that and to challenge you to be praying. 21st of March, the third Sunday of March, Brother Tim Lee will be with us. He'll be with us Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And so I would ask you to spend time in prayer, to consider those in your family and friends that do not know Christ. Uh, if you know anything about Tim, most of you do. I lost both of his uh, legs in uh, Vietnam and uh, was saved and has a, a testimony and a heart for our servicemen and women. And so we would love for you to be here for that and be praying about that with us. And so I don't know about you, but I believe in the power of prayer. Amen? Amen. amen. And so I just want to make sure if you didn't say amen, we'd just go home, okay? Because truly, God's people need to be praying. And we're in Jeremiah 27 tonight. And most of the time when we listen to people talk about Jeremiah, and even myself when I have taught it, it is constantly this theme of the judgment of God. But I really want you to think about the book of Jeremiah tonight in this context of not listening to God. As an individual, as a family, or as a church, we need to be listening to the Lord. You do not need the opinion of Jacob Gray to fix your marriage. You do not need the opinion of your Sunday school teacher to change your life. The Bible says that the Word of God is what you need. That it is food for your soul, that it is a, a lamp and a light into your path, that it is wisdom, and that the Word of God is the foundation for everything that we believe. And as long as I'm your pastor, and I've said this for uh, almost 10 years now, that as long as I am here, this will be taught that from Genesis 1 until the last verse in Revelation, that it is all God's Word. There are no mistakes, no errors, that it is God's Word. It is inspired, it is inerrant, it is infallible. And so everything we believe does not base on the preacher that you have at the time, but it is based upon this book and hearing from the Lord. And so tonight, when we look at Jeremiah... I want to challenge you to listen to the individuals that are addressed in this chapter and think about your own life. I, I'm positive that if you're honest tonight, you could say, I know there have been times in my life that God wanted me to do something, but I wouldn't do it. I know God was leading me this direction or because of fear or because of sin, you wouldn't go. And I want to encourage you tonight because all of us have been there. I've had people say that to me before. Well, I've always been there. 
And I'd be like, well, you're the second person that's ever done that. And the first was Jesus. And so I would humble yourself just a little bit and know that all of us can miss it. I don't know how many times I've thought God wanted me to do something and then to look back and think, that could have been done a whole lot differently. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have said more. I wish I would have prayed more before I talk. Have you ever talked and then realized, boy, I should have prayed about that a whole lot longer than, yeah, that happened basis. But tonight there are three groups of people that Jeremiah addresses in this passage of Scripture. And tonight I hope that you'll take notes. I say this every week almost that you ought to take notes for your benefit to study when you get home. And you say, Jake, I don't have a Bible study at home. You should. And second of all, you always need to be making sure that I am teaching you the Word of God. That it is God's Word being taught to you. And so tonight there are three things, and the first is this. We see in this passage of Scripture God's message to those who do not claim to worship Him. Have you ever met someone that's like that? Well, I don't care what God says. I'm not a Christian. I don't care what God's Word says. It doesn't apply to me. I'm just not going to make a decision about God one way or the other. What God shows us here is even people who don't worship Him will one day answer to Him. Now that, that's, a, that's a scary thought when a conservative estimate is somewhere um, less than a billion people are Christians on a planet full of 7 billion plus. And so tonight I want you to think about this because maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, my life is mine. I've made a profession of faith. I, I, I did what was necessary when I was a kid. I prayed a prayer, and, and now my life is mine. Because let's be clear, Baptist churches are full of people on our church roll who made a profession of faith at Vacation Bible School, made a profession of faith at some kind of a camp, and then are gone. Gone. And so how do we ensure that when people truly come to know the Lord that they truly are born again. That's ultimately only something God can do. All we can do is keep praying, keep sharing the gospel, and when someone tells us that they fall under conviction, we're going to believe them. And when someone tells us they've called upon the name of the Lord for salvation, we're going to believe them. Because what does the Bible say? You must be born again. And we can inspect fruit all we want after that, but I don't know if you know this or not. I've been in church long enough to know that we have gotten really good at painting rotten apples the right color. If you've been in church any length of time, you know the right things to say, the things not to say, the things you should do, you shouldn't do. And usually for a season, you can fake it till you make it, is the motto. But I want you to know tonight that true born-again believers in Jesus Christ are not the same as the fake. And so look here in verses 1 through 11 with us tonight. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So Jeremiah got it from God, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make for yourself bonds and yokes and put them on your neck and send them to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, 
the king of Tyre and the king of Sidon, by the hands of the messengers who come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and command them to say to their masters, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth, the man, and the beast that are on the ground. That's why we believe in the creation account of the Bible. By my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Don't miss those two words. And the beast of the field I have also given to serve him. So all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the time of his land comes, and then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. And it shall be that the nation and kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord, with the sword, famine, and pestilence, until I have consumed them by his hand. Therefore, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers who speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon. For they prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from your land. And I will drive you out, and you will perish. But the nations that bring their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord. And they shall till it and dwell in it. So what has happened is a great power has risen onto the scene. And uh, there are five kingdoms who are coming to Israel, to Judah, and they are trying to form a coalition to fight against this foreign invader. And they have listened to their pagan uh, soothsayers and diviners and all these people who are charlatans and have said, if you'll build a big enough coalition and fight against Nebuchadnezzar, you will win. And God says, I want you to go to the place that they're meeting and I want you to put objects on you like you would put on an animal that's farming or pulling something. And when each one of those messengers comes, I want you to give one to them and say, take this back to your king. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not. We just looked at Jeremiah making his whole country mad at him, right? They were going to kill him. And now God says, I don't want you just to make your people mad. I want you to make five other nations mad. <laughs> I mean, that might not be a big deal to you, but... Not one nation hates you, but now all of the city nations around you now hate you. And Jeremiah says, okay. And so he is telling this to them why. Because God specifically says in this passage of Scripture that there's a purpose behind what he's doing. And that purpose is to humble the nation of Israel. God has told them and told them and told them and told them and told them because He loves them over and over again. Judgment is coming. Repent or judgment is coming. We look throughout the entire Old Testament. Repent, judgment is coming. And what does the nation of Israel do? Whatever they want. 
We know that the northern kingdom falls. Now you have the southern kingdom. And what happens here is that God has finally said, you need to know that no amount of scheming or human planning can stop what I'm going to be doing. Because judgment is coming. And I am going to use an ungodly, heathen king to do it. You see, God can use godly people to accomplish His purposes, or He can use the ungodly. Just because God uses you doesn't mean you're right with God. Don't miss that. That's really important. Because I've had people tell me that before. Well, Jake, you, you've, you've seen their church services. Look at all the people that come. They've got to have it figured out. Friends, you can draw a crowd to a train crash just like you can something of the Lord. Crowd size does not mean you're right with God. You say, well, he, he, he's preached the best sermons I've ever heard. Someone can be a good speaker and be wicked at home. That's why the Bible doesn't give abilities for a pastor to have. He gives what? <coughs> Qualifications for his life. You say, well, Jake, I know the pastor's a good guy, but he's really, really boring. Guess what? The Bible doesn't say he has to be exciting. Now, I think God has done. Exciting enough that it ought to be preached as such. That it's a book of life and victory and joy and salvation, and there ought to be joy in the house of the Lord. But some people say, well, it's just the boringest preacher I ever heard. Is he preaching the book? Well, yeah. Is he living godly at home? I think so. Then be very careful how you proceed with that. There are enough superstar pastors with slick hair and tight jeans, right? Cool arms, but yet they're wicked at home. And friends, what you ought to be listening for and looking to is, is the Word of God being proclaimed? And one of these days, if I come in with a bunch of animal equipment on me, you'd be like, he's lost his mind. That's exactly what they thought about Jeremiah. Not only, Jeremiah, are you embarrassing us, you're embarrassing us to the rest of the world. It's okay to have a weird uncle as long as he's just with your family. But when you've got a weird uncle in public, you're like, I don't know him. Oh, I don't know him. Here he goes again, starting on one of his discussions and rants. But friends, God says in this passage of Scripture, doesn't matter if you're the children of God or you're these other kingdoms, I have raised up Nebuchadnezzar for this purpose. And it is to bring judgment. And he says you can either fight it or submit to it. Because if you fight it, you will be destroyed. You say, well, Jake, I don't understand. There are some times in the Old Testament that God tells the children of Israel to fight. You're absolutely right. There are sometimes God tells them like this, submit. Why is that? Because in each situation, the leadership of God in your life is what matters. There will be times that God tells you to boldly proclaim the gospel. Always, you are to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But there are other times God will tell you, you probably ought to keep your mouth shut, right? You don't need to say anything in this situation. And it usually involves when I have a strong opinion about something. God will say, it'd be best for you just to stay quiet. Pray about it. And so I, I really want to show you this, 
that in each situation of your life, righteousness is what always matters. Right is right no matter what. doesn't matter if anybody's looking or no one's looking. It's called what? Integrity. But you also have to be listening to the Lord. You see, in the nation of Israel, these people that he mentioned here, these, these prophets and dreamers and soothsayers and sorcerers, they were all banned in the nation of Israel. But in these other countries, it's just reaffirming that they didn't love God, they didn't worship God, they didn't care about God, but God says, I'm still over you as well. And tonight I want you to hear this. I believe when the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every one of them. Doesn't matter if you are in the desert of Africa, the mountains of Russia, the rainforest of Brazil, the big city of Chicago. All people are going to one day kneel before Jesus Christ and recognize Him as the Lord of lords and kings of kings. And it's our job to do what? To tell them about Him. To love them. To share with them. Because no matter if they agree with it or not, it's still true. Listen to how God describes it in Isaiah 45, verses 7 through 9 to Isaiah. I form the light and create darkness. I create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Rain down, you heavens from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with his Maker. Let the strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall it? What are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, He has no hands? God's saying, I'm in charge. I'm in control. I have plans and purposes. And who are you to question what I'm doing? I don't know about you, but I love to be told that. Right? Just shut up and do what you're told. <laughs> Try that when you get home to your spouses and see how that works out for you. And that's what God says. I am God. You are not. I have a purpose and a plan, and I'm accomplishing this for the good. We read about it in Romans 8. We read about it in Romans 9. And so tonight, I want you to know that, that even if your family and friends and loved ones say, I don't have to do anything with God, I'm not going to make a decision about God, God is still the Lord over all. Thoughts? Do you think that's true? Do you think there are people who genuinely believe that God doesn't affect them? Yes. Any examples? Lee Strobel. I can't hear you. I gotta... Lee Strobel didn't believe that God had any effect on him. He was an yeah. atheist. Yep. And when he set out to prove that God didn't exist, he became a Christian. Yes. Yep. And wrote the famous book, The Case for Christ. Yep. Here's one that I wanted to ask. Have you ever seen someone who claims that God 
is the Lord of their life, but lives like he isn't. I figured that would get some more amens. Now, I know you've never done that, but I've done it. Truly, I think we all have. There are parts of the scripture that that rub us the wrong way, that maybe weren't the way we were raised. And so it's easy sometimes to just to glaze over that because, well, you know, I understand and listen to most of the Scripture. I understand and believe most of the Bible. I believe more than he does, or I live more than she does. But friends, never forget that there is no one who is going to get out of this life and not have to answer to King Jesus, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. This is so important tonight because sometimes we forget that, I believe. Sometimes we, we don't share our faith. Sometimes we, we view it as, well, someone else will talk to them. Someone else will go before us. But the Spirit of God should be leading you to what? To share your faith. To talk to others about Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Spirit of God that lives within you the Bible says was sent into the world to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So if the Spirit of God in you is at work in the world of convicting and drawing and revealing the truth of God to people, you ought to join Him on that task. You can't save people. You can't change their mind. But all you can do is pray and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Regardless of how much they think they hate God, deny God, you need to remember that God is the Lord over all. The second group of people that he talks to in this passage of Scripture is his message to those who did claim to worship him. So he has a message for those who don't believe, who don't recognize him, but he also has a message to those who did claim to worship him in verses 12 through 15. I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon. Therefore do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. For I have not sent them, says the Lord. Yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I may drive you out, and that you may perish." you and the prophets who prophesy to you. So he specifically states to the people of God, you are going to serve Nebuchadnezzar. Now there is something you need to remember here. God doesn't say you need to give up your faith, right? The Bible is full of people who were living in a foreign land under a pagan king and didn't Bow. There's an old song about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's, it, and it's an old Gaither song. And so if you know anything about me, I love the Gaithers, I love the old stuff. Don't hate me because I'm right, okay? And uh, it's a song titled, They Wouldn't Bend, They Wouldn't Bow, and They Wouldn't Burn. I, 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 one of my favorite quartet songs, and it's, uh, They Wouldn't Bow, They Wouldn't Bend, and They Wouldn't 
burn. And they wouldn't, would they? They would not give up their faith in a pagan land. Who else does the Bible speak to who was a foreigner in another land who wouldn't bend, wouldn't bow, wouldn't compromise? Daniel, right? You're not going to do what we tell you to. You're going to do what we tell you to. And what happened? He was stronger, healthier. It was doing better than those who didn't. There was also a woman who God used when there was an individual that was trying to kill the Jewish people. Anybody know who that was? There's lots of them, right? The Bible is full of people in difficult situations under evil kings, evil rulers, and didn't what? Compromise. And friends, your faith and my faith is not dependent on the people who are over us. I answer to one, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is one judge, and what God is saying to you and I is you have to worship him regardless of the situation that he puts you in. He's the God of the mountain, and he's the God in the valley. He's the God in the good times, and he's the God in the bad times. You see, I uh, meet with a lot of people in the community since I'm from here. And so the enemy that you know is better than the unknown, is what most people tell me, right? And so I got a Bible question. I know you're not real smart, Jake, but I know you. And so here's the question I have for you. I get that a lot, right? Right? I mean, I'll be walking through food parks wants to eat and some would be like where did God you know I'll be trying to go to Huck's and uh, and uh, go to the restroom real quick and someone will stop me and say hey just a minute right just a, just a minute and friends I want you to know that there are people who God is at work in people you wouldn't expect people you wouldn't um, think about that but there are people who have lost loved ones who are asking questions like, what happens to me? I met with someone this week in my office who recently lost a loved one. It's got their, their child now asking lots of questions and thinking about death and thinking about life. And, and mom and dad are asking questions. And, and uh, my, my daughter said tonight that they're all planning on being here Sunday. Never been here before. You have no idea. And so it is so important for your faith and my faith to not be Sunday only, but every day of the week. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to sporting events, doesn't matter where you're at, if you claim to worship God, He has a message for you. And it is to be true no matter if you like the outcome or not. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, because God's warning to them was the same as it was to the pagans. Don't listen to the people who's giving you advice. And I wish, if I could help Ten Mile Baptist Church in one way above any other, it would be this statement. Quit listening to everyone who calls himself a Christian. People say, well, I heard Jesse... I don't listen to anything Jesse DePlantis tells you. Ignore all... I was listening to Joel on television. Don't Open your Bible and read it. 
Open your Bible and study it. Open your Bible and pray over it. I bet a hundred times someone say is, heard this statement, but God just wants me to be wealthy. I know He does. <laughs> get a job. Or murder a rich uncle or aunt or something and get away with it. I don't know what to tell you. God might want you to be wealthy. And, and I pray that if God has made you wealthy, then you realize how blessed you are. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to be wealthy. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. All right? There's nothing sinful about having wealth. The Bible says when you love your wealth more than God, then it's an idol. But friends, I can love that chair more than I can love God and it be an idol. You see, it is the heart behind what it is. But the question is, God warns them who they listen to. That's what He said there. Be careful who you listen to. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 7 like this, starting in verse 15. Beware of false... The message hasn't changed, right? Jeremiah was telling them. Jesus was telling them. Who come to you in sheep's clothing. This is Matthew 7, verse 15 through 20. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you will know them. And we can apply this to all people, but who is Jesus applying this to specifically? Yes, the messengers or those who are claiming to be what? The religious teachers of the day. And so, if you have the privilege of teaching the Word of God, if you are listening to someone teach the Word of God, evaluate everything they say. Everything. I know that you get tired of me saying that, but everything that comes from behind this desk, from that pulpit, you need to be evaluating. And if there ever comes a day when I tell you, don't worry about it, just trust me. Friends, you should be worried. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't trust me, okay? But I'm telling you, the Word of God must be taught faithfully and accurately, and it is your job to make sure that is happening. You say, Jake, we just talked about this last week. You know why? Because it is destroying churches everywhere. It's destroying churches everywhere. It's destroying marriages everywhere, families everywhere. Think about all of the individuals who can barely make it financially, but yet will send thousands and thousands of dollars on their credit cards to a television evangelist. Do you know the damage that does to a family when a son or daughter has to take their mom or their dad's ability to manage their checkbook away from them? You, you might not be there yet, but I've been with enough families. That's a bad deal. Or, Mom, you can't have a car anymore because you sent $4,000 to Jesse to buy a $3 million chandelier and you've lost your car. I know 
people who have signed their cars, their property away to these people on television to have nothing. You see, it's our job to preach the truth, to stand up for the truth, to declare the truth, and to make sure that what we're being taught is the Word of God. It's not my job to evaluate me on a daily basis. It is my job, but it's also your job. Every sermon, every nightly devotion. I mean, I teach a lot through the week, okay? I do Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night devotions online, and Wednesday night Bible study. So I'm preparing one, two, one, two, three, eight, nine Bible teachings a week, okay? Do I get confused from time to time? Absolutely. I have preached through the whole book of Peter for three weeks and said, and Paul said, and Paul said, and Paul said, and some be like, Paul <laughs> Or I'll be reading a passage. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about, all right? I've mispronounced words, okay? Those things happen. That's not what we're talking about here. But when someone starts teaching things like Jesus really isn't the only way, you, you can be a good person. You can belong to civic organizations. You can do enough good. You think those are the areas that it should make us stop and realize they're leading us to destruction. I think the biggest thing that this church is going to have to make a decision and take a stand for is on the issue of sin. It is the number one pressing issue for churches is do we compromise or do we not? If the Bible calls it sin, are we willing to call it sin? No matter the cost, no matter how many people we lose, no matter what the community says about us, are we willing? And I can't make that decision for you. I know what I'm going to stand up there and shout about on a Sunday morning. But this is what usually happens. Someone will call me and say, Jake, someone listened to your sermon on Sunday. And they call me. And I agreed with you, what you said. But I didn't know what to say when they called. And so I didn't say anything at all. And I say, you know what you did? You reaffirmed that they were right. Now that's the easy one. Now how many times have you and I listened to conversations that we should have never listened to? about topics that we never should have listened to. And people walk off and took our silence as we approve. You see, the church of Jesus Christ must say this is wrong, it's wrong now, it was wrong, and it will always be wrong. Why is it that church, it seems like the worst place for division and rumor to spread through? Because most people genuinely love other people and don't want to cause trouble. Saved people don't want to cause trouble. It's true. Saved people genuinely want there to be unity in the church. If you don't want unity in the church, you have a problem. All right? I'm just telling you. Saved people want unity. But sometimes unity leads to compromise. Unity around the wrong thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you ever seen that in church? I'm the only one. 
Ain't that a miracle? I'm the only one. You know how I know it happens? Because I'm guilty of doing it. I'm guilty. Well, you know, uh, I know it's wrong, and I know we should do something about it, but you know, this is my new favorite line. I just got, ain't got any fight left in me. You say, Jake, how could you say that? I've said it. Well, I know that's a problem. Boy, I'd sure love for someone to fix that problem. Jake, why don't you fix that problem? And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to fix that problem. But friends, it's our job to start with the Word of God. That's the easiest way we can plant our flag and say, I will not be moved, is the Word of God. Start there and let it build from there. Third thing, we see that God had a message for those who did not claim to worship Him, that God had a message for those who did claim to worship Him, and third and finally, God had a message directed especially to spiritual people. I call them spiritual snobs. These are people who think they are spiritual, act like they are spiritual, talk like they are spiritual, want everyone to think they're spiritual, but really what? They are whitewashed tombs. Look what it says here in verses 16 through 22. Also I spoke to the priests and to all this people saying, Thus says the Lord, do not listen, <laughs> there's that phrase again, to the words of your prophets who prophesy to you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon. For they prophesy a lie to you. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city be laid to waste? But if they are prophets, and if the word of the Lord is with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord, in the house of the king of Judah, and at Jerusalem do not go to Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars, concerning the sea, concerning the carts, and concerning the remainder of the vessels that remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take, when he carried away captive Jeconah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem, they shall be carried to Babylon, and there they shall be until the day that I visit them, says the Lord. Then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. You see, the false prophets and priests were saying, enemies have come against Jerusalem before. You know, they've carried some people into captivity. They've taken some of the temple artifacts. But don't you worry, God's going to bring them all back. God's going to make it all right. God's going to give us victory and prosperity. Don't you worry for a minute. And Jeremiah says, that's wrong. They're taking everything this time. You see, the first time he just took a few. And the second time they took a few more. But Jeremiah says this time they're taking 
Everything. Everything. And you say, Jake, why would God allow that to happen in three waves like that? And this is what I believe, and you can disagree with me, and that's okay. I believe that God is long-suffering, and He is patient, and He is gracious, and He is merciful. And God will allow things to come into our life to what? To get our attention. The book of 1 Corinthians even says about taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, right? That God will allow sickness to come into your life. That God will even take Christians home before He lets them go. God does not just wake up one day in the Old Testament and say, I'm just going to wipe Israel off the map. doesn't say that. He says He sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet. Jesus shows up and says, what have you done to the prophets? You've stoned them, you've killed them, you've murdered them. And then you had John. And here I am and you're going to do what? The same thing. But you know what the great thing about God is? There's coming a day when even the Jewish people are going to realize what's happened. And God has a place for them. Right? You read the book of Revelation. Look how God is at work in the, the nation of Israel. God brings judgment and correction to those that He loves. But He always has a purpose. He always has a purpose. Today, if you discipline your children, and I hope that you do, spare the rod, hate the child, okay? You have to do it out of love. You have to, I've heard parents say, I spank my kids once a day every day because I know they need it, right? That's not how I believe you should do it. I believe that if they need correction, you should correct them. But is there a difference between correction and abuse? Absolutely. God never abuses. He always corrects. You say, but Jake, there's going to be thousands of people that die. There's going to be captivity and slavery and all of these things. But God said there's a purpose in it. It's to remind you that I made a covenant with you. And you're my people. And even though you've broke that covenant, I'm not going to what? Break that covenant with you. And that's the great promise that we have. That we serve a God who loves us even when we don't deserve it. That He died not for the godly, but the ungodly. And so if I truly know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm His. And there is nothing that I can do that can separate me from Him. There are three verses I want to give you, and I just don't have time to read them tonight because I promised you I was going to shut down early. Three verses about if you want to decide whether or not you're in one of these three categories. James 1, verse 26 and verse 27. If any among you thinks he is religious, whether you're a spiritual snob or the real thing. And Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. And then Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. And I want to read this one in its entirety. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm 
and neither cold nor hot, I will spew or vomit you out of my mouth. You see, tonight it is not my job to fix all of you. It's not my job to fix my wife or my children. It's my job to hear God and respond. Even if I'm a spiritual snob, I can repent and be made with God, right with God. Even I, if I am one of the spiritual people who God speaks to in the second part, or whether or not I'm a pagan and have no desire to worship God at all, this one truth is still that, that God is God. He has a purpose and a plan for your life, and He has a purpose and a plan for my life. And tonight, will you trust Him even when it's difficult, even when it doesn't look like you thought it would? I never dreamed I'd have six children. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I always teased about having nine, but I honestly can tell you it was just that, teasing. But I can tell you now that I wouldn't take anything for any of them. And some days I look at them and think, boy, I wish we had a couple more. And other days I think, boy, I wish we could send them all back. So, <laughs> But I tell you, the Lord knew much better than I ever could. Ever could. And so many times when we look like God is punishing us, really He's just correcting us. He's got us on the potter's wheel and He's just working us. And you say, oh, I don't need any work. Well, you're a liar. Because if you are still breathing, the process of sanctification is still happening. That is making you more and more like Jesus Christ. You say, I've arrived. No, you haven't. The only time that you will arrive is when? You take your last breath on this earth and you take your first breath in heaven. And so keep letting the Lord mold you as an individual, as a family, and as a church. If you think we've arrived as a church, you are sadly mistaken. God needs to keep working on all of us and working and correcting and molding us into who He wants us to be.